Did you know, did you know that the end of the year is rapidly approaching? I mean, rapidly approaching. Doesn't it feel like we were just doing this? It, it feels to me like, I remember 2020 was a really long decade, and then it felt like the last couple of years have really sped up, right? And so whether you feel like 2022 started 17 years ago, or it just began, and how did it already go by this fast? The reality is we are ending a year really soon, and what we want to do is take this day uh, we want to take this day and begin to invite you to reflect on not just how you're going to end the year, because we're going to invite you into some reflection towards the end of the year, but we want to actually begin already to set our focus on to next year. So I understand that we might be talking, we, you might have come thinking we're going to talk just about Christmas right now, and, and, and I'm saying that by way of making an invitation to you. If you want to come to our Christmas service, Christmas Eve, we're having a candlelight service. I'm so excited about our annual candle lighting service this year on Christmas Eve, so make sure you join us for that service. But we want to begin to talk about the future as we move towards a brand new year. So to that end, we are inviting you to join us in something that we are calling the 2023 Simple Start. We're having a simple start to our brand new year. Now, you might already be thinking about, or, or maybe you're waiting until after Christmas happens, to begin thinking about New Year's resolutions, and I know that that's something that we talk a lot about. And can I just tell you the honest truth? Every single time I put effort and energy into a New Year's resolution, for me, maybe you are the one person who nails your resolutions every single year. For me, I feel like that ends up being wasted energy. Now, I'm not trashing your New Year's resolution. If you're the, the king or queen of successful resolutions, do you, boo. Do your resolutions. But what, what, what I find actually to be more impactful in my life is rather than adding energy into adding resolutions onto my life, I find what's more impactful is to draw back at the beginning of a year and set my focus on, uh, on the things that, that I really want to matter about my year. The, the, I want to set the tone for my year, not with energy that is going to peter out, but with drawing back into the presence of God. And so the idea of the 2023 simple start that we want to begin to, that we're introducing to you today so you can have a couple of weeks to think about this and pray about this, uh, this simple start is designed to fuel the rest of the year. And in fact, that word fuel is going to serve as an acronym for us because, uh, simply put, the, the, the simple start is fueled by or inspired by a verse, many verses, but certainly one of them would be Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, where it says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Right? And then, and then this simple start is actually going to be made up of four simple practices that we're going to invite you to join us in engaging for the first 23 days of 2023. Now, we pick 2023 day, we pick 23 days because it's 2023. Next year, we might just do 24 days. You see how that works? It's not super creative. We're just trying to make it actually really memorable for you. Uh, so the first 23 days of the year, imagine when we get to like 2085. It's going to be a long, a long season. 
Let's not worry about that right now. Uh, so these four practices that we want to invite you into as we begin 2023 are, uh, you can see them in the acronym FUEL. Uh, we're inviting you to join us to FAST to unplug in a practice called examine and another practice called Lectio Divina. Now you, uh, you actually probably heard my friend Chris talk about Lectio last week. We'll come back around to that in just a moment, but we would invite you as you join us in fasting. This is actually what we're gonna dig into. Uh, we'll talk about fasting a little bit more in depth today. But you might think about fasting for uh, a kind of fasting. We'll, again, we'll talk about the options that you have to fast today. Uh, but you, you might think of fasting at least one meal every single day. We want to invite you to unplug. Now, this might be a little bit of a challenge for you, but I would invite you for 23 days to practice something that we call digital simplicity. Uh, so digital simplicity would look like avoiding things like TV, movies, music, books, podcasts, YouTube, and apps on your phone, including social media and games for 23 days. And I can already feel that some of us have already decided that this is too hard, right? 23 days of no TV, movies, music. Some of you are like, I've never listened to a podcast in my life, but I've got a show that I watch, right? Uh, now, I, I honestly don't care if you just record all your favorite shows and, and start watching them on day 24. I'm not saying you have to like give up your favorite TV show or if a movie comes out, you're just never going to get to watch it. The, the point of all of this is we're unplugging so that we can say what really matters is leaning into the presence of God for 23 days. Now, as you unplug, we'd also invite you to practice 15 to 30 minutes of silence at least three days a week. Like that, for 15 to 20, maybe 30 minutes a day, just three days a week. Now, I, I was talking on Wednesday night that some of the ways that I'll practice silence is I'll actually do this while I'm making a cup of coffee in the morning, where there are some mornings where I'll go out and I'll just start a, a kettle uh, on, the, on the stove, and while that's heating up, and then I'll grind some coffee beans, and I'll make coffee, and that'll take me a chunk of time. And if I can get a good window while the girls are still getting ready for their day in the morning, then I can actually get a good 15, 20 minutes of just silence, just me and the Lord making a cup of coffee together in the morning. Now, you might need to, like, lock yourself in a closet. I actually have a friend who actually has a closet that she just shuts herself in. Um, the kids can't talk to me. My husband can't talk to me. I'm just in the closet, and I'm just alone with Jesus. That sounds fantastic, actually. Just put a, just put a chair in your closet. And just sit there. Nobody gets to talk to you. Maybe, maybe it's the last 20 minutes of your day. You just Turn your phone off and just lay in silence in the presence of the Lord. So unplug for 23 days. Uh, I promise you that will be, for some of us, the hardest part of our 23-day simple start is just to unplug for 23 days. Uh, we want to also invite you into this practice called examine. Uh, we'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks, but uh, an examine is basically at the end of every day, would you take a little bit of time and would you reflect on the moments where you felt near to God and where you felt far from God? Just examine your day. Where did I feel near to God? Where did I feel far from God? And then pray and offer gratitude as it is appropriate to do so. 
We'll talk again about the detail of that practice. And then the Lectio Divina is uh, a practice that we're going to invite you into. Uh, and, and in fact, we have a, we'll have a resource on our church's website. You can go to avlife.church slash simple start. And you even now can see just kind of an introduction to this simple start. And then you'll see this will be the home base for you for 23 days to catch the daily Bible reading that we are going to share. Now, we're not going to ask you to read like entire chapters of the Bible. In fact, like I said, my friend Chris was talking to us about Lectio Divina, and this practice is, is specifically designed to just take a verse or a few verses, a, a very small chunk of Scripture, and just pray through Scripture. And so what we're inviting you into as we, as we practice this Lectio Divina together, uh, you might remember last Sunday Chris talked, to about, talked about Ephesians 2.10. By the way, if you missed it and you're like, what is Lectio Divina, uh, watch on YouTube last Sunday's sermon. My friend Chris gave us a great experience through just one verse. Now for us, what we're going to do is for the over the course of beginning our year, we're going to walk through the greatest sermon ever preached. Now, we did a whole series on this, but you might remember that starting in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus sat down on the side of a hill and he preached something that we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. This is the greatest sermon that was ever preached. Jesus offers us life-changing, radical, like religion-altering, foundational truth sort of stuff. Like he was talking about problems uh, that, that the Jews were having in misunderstanding scripture, and he was teaching us what it would look like for us to live inside the kingdom, how to be loving, how to love God, even how to pray. He talks about how to fast in there. I mean, there is a ton of stuff. And so during this season, we're going to take 23 days, and we've broken up the Sermon on the Mount into 23 daily readings. They're going to be posted for you online, and you can even go to avlife.church slash simplestart and sign up for a daily email that would send to you how to walk through praying through the Sermon on the Mount with us in this practice called Lectio Divina. That would be a brand new email that you would sign up for that would be sent to you every day starting on January the first. Now, just so you know, again, we're going to talk about fasting in just a few minutes, but just so you know, as we do this Lectio practice, we're going to follow four, four simple steps. And there's another acronym here for you. We're going to pray the scripture. So we're going to pray. We're going to uh, pray to, first step is pray to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you read the scripture. This would be a good place to start as we were praying through Scripture that we would actually pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me as I read Scripture today? Then we're going to invite you to read the Scripture two or three times out loud, slowly, prayerfully. Just read the Scripture. My friend Chris last week, he said, Lectio Divina is the practice where you read Scripture, but you also allow Scripture to read you. Right? And so you read the Scripture out loud a few times, uh, paying attention to any word or phrase that stands out to you. Then you ask God to reveal his wisdom and his will to you through his word. So if a word or a phrase jumps out at you, you simply ask, God, why is that standing out to me? What would you say to me about, uh, about my life, about living in your kingdom as a result of what you're highlighting to me? And then the fourth step is to yield your life to what God speaks to you, asking for peace, forgiveness if it's needed, guidance if you need guidance, and, and wisdom, and, and, and you 
turn your life over to whatever it is that God would invite you into. If this is a place where you need to make a commitment to the Lord as a result of what you are reading, then this would be the opportunity. So you pray, you read, you ask, and you yield as you pray through Scripture with us. Now, again, I know I've said this a few times, but I want this to stick in your brain. You can go to avlife.church slash simple start, and you can get all of the things that I just shared with you, an introduction for what our simple start looks like, and then you will be able to, on January 1st, see the daily reading through the Sermon on the Mount as we go through that reading together. But our first practice in this simple start framework is fasting. So we've talked a little bit about Lectio Divina. You heard an introduction sermon to it last week from my friend Chris who came and preached. Uh, and, and so today I want to come back up to the top of these four practices and just give you a, an introduction, or maybe if you've done some fasting, a review of what fasting is and why we engage in it. Because this is, this is really how we want to set the tone for why are we doing this practice. I really strongly believe that together, as we commit to 23 days of fasting, engaging in the word, unplugging from media and the things of the world, that we can lean into the presence of God. And I think we could set the tone for a really powerful, dynamic 2023. And so in order to do that, in order to set the tone to start well, we're going to talk about fasting. Now, of course, the first question that we have to answer about fasting is what in the world is fasting? What actually is fasting? And so fasting is an ancient practice. It's mentioned nearly 80 times in the Bible in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's practiced by people from all kinds of backgrounds and cultures. In fact, fasting has taken on kind of a pop culture uh, tone or trend. There's even, there's, there's, social media influencers who talk about fasting with no spiritual connotation at all. They just say, you know, just fast. It's good for your physical body. What's wild is that this deeply spiritual practice has had a lot of the spirituality removed from it because even people who have no understanding of the spiritual dynamic or no personal relationship with God, even the world sees, man, fasting is actually a really powerful opportunity to reset something about your life. And it doesn't just have physical body ramifications, it has mental ramifications and emotional ramifications. But we invite God back into the practice of fasting and we know that it has deeply meaningful spiritual ramifications as well. Yes? So today we want to talk uh, not about global fasting or pop culture fasting. We want to talk about Christian fasting. What is the practice of fasting as Christians? Now, Donald Whitney defined fasting as a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for a spiritual purpose. It's a pretty straightforward, simple definition. Voluntary is a really important word in this definition. No one's forcing you to fast. Remember, you always will have your free will as a follower of Jesus. Richard Foster took this definition a step further, and he said that fasting is the voluntary denial of a normal function for the, for the sake of intense spiritual activity. Notice that, that fasting is not just removing, it's replacing 
right? So as I fast, I don't just remove a normal, the normal function of eating from my life. I'm replacing that with intense spiritual activity for that same period of time that I am removing the food. I'm replacing it with prayer. All right? Now, Adele Calhoun, she writes one of, one of my favorite uh, books on spiritual disciplines is Adele Calhoun's Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. And in there, she writes fasting, at, she describes it this way, a self-denial of normal necessities in order to intentionally attend to God in prayer. Again, in all of these definitions, what are you hearing? Free will. I'm choosing to do this, right? So I'm just going to clarify, as the pastor of the church, we're not saying if you want to be a member of Life Church in 2023, you're required to fast. That's, no one's saying that. Uh, this is not, uh, we're not trying to twist your arm, but I do want you to see the value and importance of this as we start this year strong together. Now, Calhoun goes on, she says, bringing attachments and cravings to the surface opens a place for prayer. This physical awareness of emptiness is the reminder to turn to Jesus who alone can satisfy. Now, the way I've said that around here at Life Church is that when you fast, the hunger pang that you feel turns into an alarm clock reminding you to pray. It's like on my phone, I have notifications that tell me, uh, make sure that you get milk on the way home. If that was something that Sharon asked me to do while I was here at work on a Tuesday, I already know about myself that I'm not going to remember to get milk when I leave the office. Sharon knows that about me too. And so she doesn't just say, hey, can you get milk on the way home? She says, can you put a reminder in your phone to get milk on the way home? And my phone is so smart that it knows when I leave the office, it'll remind me on the way home. Go, oh, yes, I totally forgot to get milk. Thank you, phone. Thank you, Sharon, for telling me to put that reminder in. Fasting is actually a lot like that. That when you become hungry, it begins in a season of fasting, it begins to become a reminder, a notification in your, in your gut or, or an alarm clock that goes off. And if you have set your fast time with intentionality to pray, then your hunger becomes a reminder to lean into prayer, right? So broadly speaking, fasting is essentially willingly giving something up that you enjoy or feel that you need for a designated period of time so that you can pray. But specifically for our purposes and here at Life Church, because we're, we talk about a broad array of spiritual disciplines, we are not going to settle for simply calling fasting giving up something. We are going to narrow our focus, and at Life Church, when we refer to fasting, we are specifically talking about food. There's other disciplines, and this is why even, even in, our, in our framework for our simple start, we're asking you to fast and unplug. So we're not asking you to fast social media. We're asking you to fast food and also unplug. So that's why we're narrowing our focus there. So our working definition for fasting here at Life Church is temporarily willful, the temporary willful surrender of food in order to pray. Now, we can begin to talk about how people fast. Throughout Scripture, if you have questions about how does fasting show up in the Bible, this isn't just something that we made up. In fact, you can see that there are eight different types of fasting in the Word of God. 
Let's talk about each of them quickly. There is the normal fast, which is uh, abstaining from all food. You might see this in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. It says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Now, um, I'm, I'm aware that I'm making a little bit of, a, of, a, of an assumption about what the text is saying here, but notice that the Bible says that he was hungry. It doesn't say that he was thirsty. All right, now, I'm not the only one that believes this. There are other people who wrote commentaries and biblical scholars who also agree with this. I didn't make up this idea, but it is believed by many biblical scholars that Jesus was drinking water while he was not eating any kind of food for these 40 days. Now, scientifically, the human body can last up to three days without having any water. So we would call this a normal fast, where you are not giving up the liquid that you need, but you are giving up food for a certain amount of time. Uh, you might drink a lot of, you certainly should drink a lot of water. You might also drink some kinds of, of juice, certainly juices that don't have sugar in them. Uh, by the way, along the way, we will make some health advice tips, but none of us uh, telling you how to fast or that you should fast are. I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor, so uh, if you have questions about the medical ramifications or wisdom of in, engaging in any kind of fast, please speak to your medical practitioner. Uh, if you want to speak to a doctor of the church, that's me. I can tell you you should fast, but I can't tell you what your body will do when you do it. Deal? All right, but I will make some comments about your physical health along the way because I want you to be healthy uh, physically as well as spiritually. Okay, so that's the normal fast. The partial fast is a limited diet but not complete abstinence from food. We see this most uh, clearly in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel and his friends were taken into captivity, and in the Babylonian captivity, they were given all kinds of just lavish food from the king's uh, storehouse. And Daniel, he went to the steward, and it says in Daniel chapter 1, he went to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those were his three homeboys. And he says this, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. He made a deal with the guy and he says, if we look healthy at the end of 10 days, instead of eating all of the king's food, just let us eat just the vegetables and we'll drink just water. And if we look healthy at the end of 10 days, can we just stay on that diet instead of eating all of the king's goodies? And the guard was like, yeah, I guess we'll put you to the test. And at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier than everyone else who was eating all of the king's food. And so this diet has actually become so popular that they just refer to it now as the Daniel Fast. I mean, there's websites and books that talk about the Daniel. There's entire Daniel Fast cookbooks out there because this thing has become so popular. Uh, but this fast is, is really about limiting the kinds of food, not removing all food, but limiting the kinds of food, again, so that you can take a season to lean into prayer and the presence of God. So in a Daniel fast, you would eat things like beans, lentils, nuts, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, and you would drink a ton of water. You would then limit from your diet meat, eggs, dairy products, any kind of art, artificial sugars and su added sweet added sweeteners and sugars. Uh, you would remove yeast, refined grains, processed foods, and solid fats like butter, margarine, and if you're a big lard eater, uh, we remove that from your diet as well. 
Uh, and then certain beverages you would also remove. Uh, for example, you would abstain from alcohol, coffee, tea, uh, if you're into kombucha, that's a big thing now, uh, you would limit your consumptions of kombucha. Uh, you would not drink soda or sugar-sweetened beverages, so like, uh, so water and juice with no added sugar in it is basically what you would drink during a Daniel fast. Again, you're not, you can eat all three meals a day, but you're limiting the kinds of food that you eat. Does that make sense? Uh, there's also an absolute fast, which is avoiding all food and all liquid for a short time. Look at your neighbor and say, for a short time. Okay, that's an absolute fast. In Esther chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, it says, Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. She was about to go take an audience with the king, which was illegal for her to do. And so she said to her, to her family outside the palace, she said, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, that's a short time, night or day. My maids and I will do the same, and then, though it is against the law, I will go to see the king. And in Acts chapter 9, uh, verse 9, after Paul's encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, Luke records that Paul remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. So an absolute fast is done in extreme circumstances and only for short periods of time. Unless you're doing the next kind of fast, which would be called a supernatural fast. Now, a supernatural fast, just disclaimer, I am not telling you to do one of these. This is, this is the sort of thing that you do if the Holy Spirit leads you into doing it, not Pastor Tim. So please never go 40 days without eating or drinking anything. And, and then when you end up in the emergency room, say, my pastor told me to do a supernatural fast. No, I'm not the supernatural person in your life. I'm just your pastor. Let God tell you to do. Are we clear on that? Okay, all right. But let's talk about what a supernatural fast is. Okay, so these are, it's basically an, an absolute fast for an extended period of time. Now, there's only two instances that I can find in Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, when Moses met with God on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai, it says, I was there 40 days and 40 nights, and all that time I ate no food and drank no water. That's actually scientifically not possible except that God was intervening in the sustaining of his life. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, it says, So he, which is Elijah, so Elijah got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Now, just for the sake of interest, both of those supernatural fasts happened at or on the way to Mount Sinai. I'm not making a rule of thumb for you, but unless you are like going to do something that is going to impact literally all of God's people. So like if God calls you to go to Mount Sinai, unless that happens, he's probably not going to ask you to do a supernatural fast for 40 days and 40 nights. So the odds that you're the person is really, really small. Okay, and if you come into my office on Monday and say, Pastor Tim, I just feel like God's telling me to do a supernatural fast for 40 days and 40 nights, I'm going to say that's ill-advisable. But if you absolutely feel like the whole, like physically, that's ill-advisable. But if you absolutely feel like the Holy Spirit is telling you to do that, I'm saying your body's going to not like you very much. And like, why? <laughs> because, again, there's reason behind these sorts of things, right? 
Okay, so just very, very rare, very uncommon, very unlikely that this would ever be something that you would do. Now, let's dig a little bit more into some, thing, some of the ways that you will probably fast. The fifth type of fast is what we would call a private fast. This is the kind of fast we read about in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus says, when you fast, notice he expects not if, but when you fast, don't make it obvious. He says, wash your face, bro. Take a shower, put on some deodorant, smile, shave. Liz said, don't be hangry. Um, yeah, like, don't do the, when we fast, we're not doing it to get attention. We're doing it to draw near to God. And so it's really actually, it's actually very important that when we fast, we don't walk around, you know. Have, have, have you ever seen someone post on social media about their hard day? And you can kind of tell that the only reason they posted it is so that you ask what happened. Yeah, like just not my sermon, but like don't do that. <laughs> but in the same way, when you fast, don't advertise to the world that you're low on energy. Now, you will be low on physical energy, but don't go advertising that to the world. And then because you're leaning into prayer, one of the things that you should be praying about as you fast is, God, help me to engage with those around me in loving ways so that I don't become hangry all over the people around me uh, and, and trust that the Lord will give you the ability to still not, you know, like not be a jerk. Right. And I would just say, if, if you say, well, every single time I fast, I get super hangry, then honestly, my genuine response to you would be, then I would encourage you to double the amount of time you spend in prayer while you're fasting. If you cannot fast without becoming a terrible person, then I would just say you're not praying enough. And then I'd invite you to prove me wrong. Booyah. So this is the point. When you pray or when you fast, you should lean into prayer. And if that, and if leaning into the presence of God doesn't make you a nicer person, I'm just, just honestly, like you're just doing it wrong. I remember a time when I, when I uh, stopped drinking coffee and I, I made this commitment. I was going to stop drinking coffee for six months. And my wife said, you are not allowed to do that ever again. <laughs> what, the thing was, I wasn't praying about it. I had just lost a bet. So it wasn't a spiritual experience. I was just a loser. So as you remove elements from your life, your body is going to tell you you are so dependent on this. And Jesus tells us as you fast, wash your face. Don't make it so public. This is about you and Jesus. Yeah? So let's keep that, to a degree, private. Now, the sixth element of fasting or the sixth way of fasting would be what we would call a regular or a recurring fast. These are the sorts of moments you see in Leviticus chapter 16 where the Jews fast annually on the Day of Atonement. Or in Zechariah chapter 4, there are actually four different kinds of annual fasts that are described. So if you followed the, the, the calendar of the Jewish people, you might celebrate different kinds of fasts on 
recurring days every single year. Probably not going to engage in that. Uh, most of us probably aren't. We probably also will not engage in the seventh kind of fast, which is a national fast. These are moments where King Jehoshaphat, for example, called all of the people together to fast in Second Chronicles chapter 20, or the people of Nineveh called a national fast over after Jonah came and preached. Remember a few weeks ago, Elijah was preaching to us about the book of Jonah and how Jonah calls the people to repentance. Well, they, the entire people of Nineveh called an entire national fast. And the result of that national fast was that God didn't judge them for their sin because they drew near to God. Right Now, I would love to see a national fast called in the United States of America, but I'm not the president, and I won't ever be the president. So write a letter to your congressman and ask for a national fast. It would be awesome, but I don't have the ability to call one of those. I can call the eighth kind of fast, which is a congregational fast. A congregational fast is where a certain group of believers, like a local church or a, a, a maybe like a house church or a group of friends, they congregate together for the sake of their spiritual well-being and they fast for a specific purpose. For example, in Acts chapter 13, you see uh, one day as these men, which were the leaders of the church of Antioch, were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for a special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Now, just for the record, Barnabas and Saul, which Saul, who then later has his name changed to Paul, he's known as the Apostle Paul, who wrote a chunk of the New Testament and is responsible for planting tons and tons of churches and, and responsible for the gospel being spread around to the Gentiles in massively significant ways. These guys had their very first missions trip launched because a group of people in Antioch were having a congregational fast. The point of that is that when a church fasts together, incredible ministry is the result. And I believe that we are called into a season of building in 2023. I, I think that we're going to be building the church and the ministries of the church here and out into the world. And it, in this moment, it really just for a second just felt like I'm the only person who's excited about that. But maybe that's why we're, maybe that's why we're fasting for 23 days at the beginning of 2023. Woo! Wow, that was awkward for a second. <laughs> so I really genuinely believe that as we call a 23-day congregational fast, that we are going to set the tone for a year of building and launching new ministries. I think we're going to see people who haven't set foot in a church for years, maybe, maybe for three years because they were hurt by the church in 2020, and, and, and maybe, a, maybe a, a season of of fasting by a local congregation will do something in us spiritually that will prepare us to open the doors for new people to come into the kingdom of heaven. Maybe people who, if they died today, wouldn't have a relationship with Jesus, but because you fast with us, we can pray into salvation for people. Maybe a church that has a desperate underlying desire to reach not just this city, but the nations can catalyze something of a passion for global missions as we fast for 23 days. Amen? Maybe people who congregate in a city where on any given day there are somewhere around two to 4,000 people experiencing homelessness. 
Maybe as local congregants fast for 23 days, God will give a strategy. And if I may be so bold, maybe a local congregation that has empty seats in their Sunday service that represent people that are between the age group of the people sitting in this room now and the ones who got up to leave. Like there are not a lot of young adults in our church. And one of the things I'm going to be praying about is that in 2023, God would give us a strategy to reach young adults in this community. I was talking to a friend of mine recently, and he challenged me. I said, man, I just don't know how many, like, we're not a college town. And he, he stopped short of saying, that's just bull. Like, it, it, was, it was good. I needed to hear it. And he's like, we have a college in this town. There are young people in this town. The problem is we just aren't doing anything to reach them. Thank you. Thank you for saying that to me. I looked at him when he said it, because he's in the room right now. I was really thankful for my friend who, who called me on the mat and was like, no, we're going to reach young people. And so I, I absolutely am fasting for a strategy to reach young adults in 2023. So this is why we are doing this. Because, you know what, I, I really am just tired of the last three years of church. We're just trying to make it. And so we're doing a simple start for dynamic ministry because that is what I see when I read Acts chapter 13. They fasted and they prayed and God gave them a strategy. God gave them people to send out on mission. And then you know what they did? They fasted and they prayed some more. So this is how we're going to start our year. I know we're calling it the simple start, but maybe we should just call it the dynamic start. We're going to call it the simple start. But, but it's a dynamic start to the year. Amen? Amen. Okay, so now we could fast in all different kinds of ways. And on January 1st, we're going to start this 23-day-long congregational fast. But there's one more question that we really actually need to answer, and that is why in the world do we fast? We've mentioned it a little bit, but let me just say to you again that a primary purpose for fasting is cultivating a dependency on God. In Psalm chapter 42, verse 1, it says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. And we fast to cultivate that longing in our lives. We surrender what we long for so that we can cultivate a longing for God in our lives. I, I could tell you there, there are some people who've listed like dozens and dozens of reasons why we might fast. You've already heard a bunch of them today, but just to be really, really clear, five reasons why we fast would be to draw near to God, to prepare for ministry, to intensify prayer and worship, to seek God's help, and to express humility or grief. Like these are, these are solid reasons why we might fast. And we're inviting you into a congregational fast, and I just told you, I just rattled off a bunch of reasons why we are doing a congregational fast. I'm asking you to also think about why you would fast. Is there a place in your life where you need to draw near to God? Or is there a sense of needing to prepare for ministry in 2023? Like, I know that there are people in this church that I'm having conversations with or people that I'm praying with or praying for that I know God has called you into some kind of ministry. And I believe that 2023 can be a year of clarity and even activation for you to step into the ministry that God has called you into. Like, I know that over the last few years there are people who have come to this church and said things like, I just need to sit down. 
And good, I'm glad that you can feel like there's a place where you are safe to just come and sit. And I think that 2023 might be the year that for some of us, God might say it's time to get up and step into a new ministry. And I'm so excited to watch that happen. So why would you lean into a fast? Maybe you just need to intensify prayer and worship. Maybe you're like me that you get into seasons of the year where your, your prayer life just feels, man, it's just become a little bit stale or, or my, my reading is just felt a little bit stagnant. Maybe I just, I'm not worshiping God. Maybe I lean too much into the media of the world and I, I need to just cut all of that out for a season and I need to increase my fast and my prayer life so that I can intensify prayer and worship in my life. Maybe, maybe you have a specific need as you come into 2023, and I would invite you to feel welcome to add that onto the reasons why you personally are fasting at the beginning of a year. Maybe you have a financial need or a a, a relational need or a physical health need, and you would say, you know what, I'm going to fast for 23 days, and I'm going to petition God himself for healing or breakthrough or answers to my needs for 23 days. Which, by the way, if that's the reason you're fasting, share that with friends so that we can pray with you as well. Maybe, maybe you need to express repentance or grief or humility in some way. There's moments throughout Scripture I can think of even like David, for example, committed a terrible sin and was caught in his sin. And his, the function of his repentance was to fast and to pray, and to come back to God. So I I don't want to miss an opportunity to say there may be some places in your life where you need to draw near to God in fasting because there is a lack of purity in your life. And what what better way to purify your life than to cut things out of your life and lean into the presence of God. Amen? Ultimately, fasting is about hunger, and it's about discipline. Hunger for the Lord and discipline in his kingdom. Cornelius Plantinga Jr. wrote in in the 1980s in the Reformed Journal, he said, self-indulgence is the enemy of gratitude and self-discipline usually its friend and generator. In other words, the more self-disciplined we are, the more grateful we tend to be. That is why gluttony is a deadly sin. The early desert fathers believed that a person's appetites are linked. Full stomachs and jaded palates take the edge from our hunger and thirst for righteousness. They spoil the appetite for God. Again, in other words, the more we indulge the appetites for the things of the world, the less it turns out that we desire God. Think about this in a spiritual sense. Remember when you were a kid and you wanted dessert first? right? And your parents would say, you'll spoil your appetite. What they're telling you is if you eat all the sweets first, you'll spoil your desire to, you'll spoil your hunger, and then you won't eat the healthy dinner that your parents actually prepared for you. If all you ever eat is junk, you'll actually ruin your appetite. You'll be full with junk all the time, and when someone puts something healthy in front of you, you won't know what to do with it, and your palate will not be trained to enjoy it. Right? So fasting is about retraining our spiritual palate to enjoy the things of the Lord. Now, if you were truly honest, if you were really, really honest, you might find that there are some places where you have 
taught your spiritual palate to enjoy being entertained more than you enjoy finding Jesus in his holy word. So this is why we fast and unplug. So that we can retrain our palate to be in love with scripture, the bread of life, rather than constantly feeding ourselves with junk that satisfies us, if at all, for a moment. So we fast in order to strengthen our faith and to sharpen our focus and our hunger for God's kingdom. Which is why then this is a powerful practice for us to begin the new year. So we're going to end this moment by asking ourselves two important questions. There are two important questions that I want to invite you to ask yourself, not only today, and I'll give you a moment to do that in just a moment, but not only today, but for the next couple of weeks. You see, we're not at January 1st yet. We're strategically telling you about this invitation into this simple start early enough for you to have some time to think about your choice to fast. The first question that I want to invite you to think about is how will I fast? How will I do it? You've got two weeks to decide how to engage a 23-day fast. And how you do it is largely up to you. Now, again, as a disclaimer about your physical health, it is very important that you do not engage in a fast that would result in a lack of physical health. Fasting certainly is challenging. It is designed to be physically challenging. It is not intended to destroy your physical body. And so if you're sitting here thinking that I don't know that I can fast, I, I want to invite you to feel confident and courageous and invited and encouraged to go and speak to a medical practitioner about how can I engage in a fast that goes 23 days in a way that would be healthy for my physical body. Have those conversations. You've got two weeks. It's plenty of time for you to figure that out. We would love to, to help you find some resources on how to engage in a fast in a healthy way. But we do want to invite you to think for two weeks about how to fast. Even on that note, our recommendation is that you would think through a Daniel fast. If you can't skip one meal a day, then augment your diet in a way. So do some research on how do I do a Daniel fast. We would invite you to think about if you're not going to do a Daniel fast and augment your diet in some way for, for 23 days, then you could fast by skipping at least one meal a day. Maybe you have a family and you have a tradition where you sit around the table and you don't want to sacrifice that time because that meal around the table is actually a spiritually dynamic and powerful and important moment. Maybe you do highs and lows and you pray together around the dinner table. If you don't, by the way, that's a really good practice. You should start doing that. But maybe what you want to do is skip your breakfast and your lunch and have dinner with your family and over breakfast and lunch, you take those times and you pray. You could skip two meals, one meal a day. If God is calling you to something more radical, remember, be physically wise and healthy about the way that you do that. But then also as you answer this question, how am I going to fast? I want to really encourage you over the next two weeks to set up agreements within your household. We will fast this way. It's really important that when I feel like I'm being called by the Lord to fast, that my wife knows that I'm fasting. Because if I take 23 days and I just skip breakfast, by day two, she's going to want to know, what am I doing? But I also 
by day one want her to be praying for me as I fast. And not only just agreements within the, my household, the people, my, my parents, my, my kids, my siblings, my, maybe even my Christian coworkers. Not only just to have agreements so that they know and they, they are invited to pray for me as I fast, but to also hold me accountable. It's a great thing to have my wife know that I'm fasting for 23 days because if I tell her I'm going to fast lunch every single day and she sees me packing a lunch without thinking about it, what a gift to have her say, hey, aren't you fasting lunch? Oh, thank you for reminding me so I can pray instead of, instead of eating. But whatever you do, I, I want you to make sure that you plan your prayer and your, your lectio and your unplugging and your exam, plan all of that as well. Because fasting, again, is not just about removing, it's about replacing, right? And then the second thing, and this is definitely the more important question that you have to ask yourself, where have I drifted? Where have I drifted away from God? What are the places in my personal relationship with God where a fast moves me into the why do I need to fast? Why, why have I fallen away from God in, in my closeness to him in my spirit? A fast is a perfect opportunity to draw near to God. So take the next two weeks and prepare yourself to fast with some honest reflection. Are there places where you have become stagnant, drifted away, where you've stopped praying? You're lax in your scripture engagement, or maybe you don't read the Bible at all. Where is God calling you back to himself? You've got two weeks to think about the answer to that question, and then 23 days to commit to draw near to God through fasting and prayer. And just to set the tone, I want to give you a moment even right now. If you would, just close your eyes right where you're at. And there's a really important question set before you today. And I know for myself, there is always an answer to the question, where have I drifted from God? So ask yourself that question. Allow the Holy Spirit to highlight, where have you drifted from me? Take a moment, talk to God about the state of your relationship. You might even right now have the answer to why do I need to fast? So God, even now in this moment, as we are aware and we're inviting you to make us aware. We're inviting you to speak to us clearly by your Holy Spirit over these next two weeks. God, would you, would you help us to prepare well for 23 days of fasting? To have a simple start that would produce dynamic fruit in 2023. God, we pray for wisdom for how to engage these 23 days. We pray for our hearts to become hungry for God's kingdom and for your presence. And God, we pray for this church to be blessed as we fast together, to lean into your presence, to be blessed so that we could be a blessing to our community. And finally, friends, I pray this blessing over you 
as you think and prepare, and even in two weeks from now, as you begin to fast and unplug and examine and engage in Lectio, as you reflect on the ways in the building up to that, as you reflect on the ways that you will begin a new year, may the final days of this year be blessed. May your celebrations overflow with the love of the Father. May your gift giving and your gift receiving be powerful reminders of the greatest gift that was ever given, Jesus Christ, Savior of the world. May you be filled with the Holy Spirit as you celebrate, as you reflect, and as you prepare for a simple start to 2023. In the matchless name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.